Update, a weekly podcast examining the latest news and technology trends impacting product development teams in the heavy-duty on- and off-highway equipment industries. I'm Sarah Jensen, editor of OEM Off-Highway, and in this week's episode, I'll be speaking with Jeremy Frensnick of Dana Incorporated about electrification trends for drivetrains and commercial vehicles. Let's take a listen now. So what are some of the biggest trends Dana is currently seeing regarding electrification of drivetrain systems themselves and heavy-duty commercial vehicles? Yeah, so overall, I mean, it's, I'll state the obvious, it's been an exciting time in the market right now. Um, A lot of fleets are trialing uh, EVs right now just to see what they can do, how they can benefit from the technology, how they can benefit from a, a sustainability standpoint, and ultimately how they can save some money, right? That's what it's all about, especially in the fleet world. So it's all about that total cost of ownership, that break-even point. So there, and where the fleets get to do some of those demos and try to understand what works best for their particular use case, a little bit easier than an OEM, which has to make pretty wide-scale changes and wide-scale um, choices. You know, a fleet gets to pick and choose, and if it doesn't work here, they can adjust and pivot very quickly. So it's, it's been pretty nice to see that. So certainly a, a high takeoff rate from a fleet perspective. Um, there's tons of vehicles already in production that are electrified, right? Um, mm-hmm. Is our Dana TM4, our uh, partnership with uh, the TM4 in Canada, we have where they've got content on a motor and inverter side on over 16,000 vehicles in the market already. So that's been cool to see and watch the progress there. Uh, from an ad- adoption standpoint, it's uh, it's definitely taken off from a uh, from a yard spot or a bus application. A lot of the, the duty cycles that are very stop and go based, as you'd imagine, you know, with a lot of the constraints still being around battery size and how much you can physically take along with you, uh, the duty cycles that are have a lot of regen are better uh, better suited for some of these early adopters. So again, yard spotters, the drainage cycles. Um, some of the city delivery, final mile delivery, that's really where it's it's been picking up very quickly. Um, and in addition, kind of the short regional haul, but again, still fairly short uh, distances. Uh, some of the government grants are helping to, uh, to pick away and, and do some of that early learning that it's gonna take to get additional mileage. Mm-hmm. And that's, but since that's fairly expensive, that's where a lot of the emphasis is, is who else can help fund this, right? If the government can do a grant and we can get some early learning, it makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. So, um, but still, right, it's all about range limitations at this point. Um, with uh, you know, some of the, the barriers to getting into extended range, it comes into, you know, what do the fleets and OEMs want to haul? Do you want to haul batteries or do you want to haul freight? Because ultimately you don't exactly get paid to haul batteries around, you get paid to haul freight. So. There's a balance point there, and, and that's some of the, the struggle or challenge right now is just figuring that whole piece out as we move through uh, battery technology. You know, it's it's improving dramatically and a, at a very quick rate of speed, but uh, but it's still not quite there. Mm-hmm. Had some uh, some interaction with Hylion. I've actually partnered with them. <clears throat> We've been working with them on on two vehicle platforms. They're hybrid program as well as their hypertruck ERX. So the hybrid's kind of a 
dip your toe in the water, so to speak, from a fleet perspective. It's how they can get into the world of battery electric without doing a full battery electric vehicle. And because it's a, you know, it's again, taking advantage of the regen, we've got a, a tag axle that's doing regen capability and using that for uh, additional boost when needed, right? So, uh, so that's the, the hybrid program. And then their Hypertruck ERX, is, it gets that next step, right? It's a, a renewable natural gas powered gen set with a full battery electric powertrain behind it. So it actually brings along its additional energy source so it gets away from having to bring all the electricity with the vehicle in battery form. So again, we expect as the battery technology improves and you can bring along more range from a plug-in standpoint, you won't need those range extended gen sets to go along with the truck. But I mean, it's a, I wish there was a one size fits all approach <laughs> right now. It would make everybody's lives a little bit easier. Right. But at the same time, it's exciting to see all the various avenues that, that are being uh, taken right now. Mm -hmm. Right, okay. And so how, if at all, is electrification impacting the way Dana is designing its drivetrain components? Are you guys finding there's um, been a shift in the way you design from how you maybe traditionally did, or is it more purpose-built types of products you guys are doing? and? Are, how are those maybe different from some of the traditional things you guys have developed in the past? Sure, no, that's a, that's a great question. The, yeah, I, I look back because it's, it's funny, we've been doing this commercial vehicle thing for a while, right? We've been in the drivetrain, driveline industry for over 115 years. So we, we know axles and drive shafts inside and out, but at the same time, these new more complex systems take a whole different approach. So it's no longer, I'll say, quote, air quotes, just mm -hmm. developing axles to put under heavy trucks. It's designing around full vehicle level architecture, full vehicle level requirements, and really doing top-down requirements-based engineering. So it, it gets from component or system, subsystem engineering into full system integration and full system engineering. So that's been a mindset shift for us, as well as the fleet OEMs, as we realize just how much more involved these systems are not just to design and develop, but to validate and really make integrate into a vehicle. You can have the best laid plans and ask a supplier to develop an e-axle to put under a truck. But if that e-axle doesn't work well with the vehicle level architecture, you know, there's no magic there. So it has to, it's all about purposeful engineering, taking a top-down approach from a requirement standpoint. But it's it's so much more involved than again, air quotes, just mm -hmm axle engineering or drive shaft engineering. So we're doing things with software and controls, uh, certainly on the battery side, uh, definitely the e-axle the e or multi-speed solution, right? And now we have to consider it an e-propulsion system. It's no longer just an axle. It's an e-propulsion system all in. There may be shifting involved controls and software, uh, motors, inverters, and they all have to work really, really well together to have an optimized solution that fits what the end customer really needs. So the good part is that we can lean on and leverage our, our rich heritage in developing and, and supplying traditional components and systems. So that piece is, is nice to be able to lean on because we have so much history there. And then it's all about that close collaboration with the OEMs in order to not just develop what we think is gonna be the optimal solution, 
but listen and understand really what the use case is for the vehicle, what their safety considerations are, and what that ultimately needs to do from a requirements and expectations standpoint. But as I mentioned, we do have uh, content on the Dana TM4 side and over 17,000 vehicles uh, in the field right now. So we're every one of those vehicles that goes out gives us further confidence and further uh, information about what we're doing and how they're how the usage is uh, is really captured in the market. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. And so what are some of the factors that maybe need to be kept in mind when you guys are, are developing uh, drivetrain components for electric vehicles? Yeah, so I, I mentioned it would be nice if we had a, a crystal ball or that everybody was going after it in the same way. But the, the point is there's not a one size fits all solution right now. Mm -hmm. yeah. There's various architectures being investigated, you know, things like if you take it from the most basic, how do you transform a traditional ICE equipped tractor into a battery electric vehicle? Well, you know, one would look at it and say, well, let's just pull out the diesel engine, pop in something else, replace the transmission with the motor and, uh, and call it a day. You know, that's one approach. Uh, central motor is certainly one of the easiest to integrate just from a hard part perspective. Mm -hmm. Then you have like multi-speed considerations where you're no longer happy with say performance trade-offs that come with only a single speed. So multi-speed solutions become a little bit more complicated and the trade-off for that comp complexity is potentially higher efficiency and uh, better startability, better gradeability. Maybe even uh, well, you, you certainly can then tackle your top speed. So you're not trading off anywhere. You're getting everything you're really looking for. Um, and then, you know, how do you integrate that into an e-axle? So if you want to have a full integrated solution with an axle motor inverter, maybe even multi-speed, you know, now you can do that. And that opens up the frame rail package space for either more, uh, more batteries, more range, actually looking at redesigning the entire structure of the vehicle. But you can, the point is you can take from mild to wild, you know, what kind of considerations or flexibility you have at a chassis level really dictates how flexible you can be on the architecture that you put together. So yeah, I guess it's all about rounding it back out. It's all about what do you need to do and how flexible can you be on the package that's being put together? Mm -hmm. And we have solutions for all of them. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so how does the company foresee electrification progressing in the coming years and how might it impact uh, drivetrain systems and components further? Mm. Well, we know that nobody has put their pencils down when it comes to developing and, uh, and tweaking. Um, we know that the, the progress and the trends are gonna continue. Um, I, at some point, far out there probably, uh, many will put the pencils down and say, we have arrived upon the optimal solution to do this. But I don't know if it's five years out or if it's 10 years out, but it's somewhere out. And we know that in the meantime, these modifications, these investigations will continue. And it is really exciting because there's a lot going on. We're learning every day, mm -hmm. and making big strides there. Uh, in the meantime, this is certainly going to take different forms. You know, the battery electric fuel cells, the range extended. Uh, there's a big push right now for uh, renewable natural gas. Based on how do you support it with the infrastructure, right? You have to get that power from somewhere. Mm -hmm. it, you know, diesel is pretty widespread. Um, how quickly does, uh, does the charging infrastructure pick up on the full plug-in side? 
Um, how quickly can you support from a hydrogen perspective? Um, or if it's going to be renewable natural, how do you uh, support that from an infrastructure side? Right. So we know that as as the infrastructure starts to take shape, I think the, the trends will follow suit. Potentially, the trends will drive the infrastructure as well, but that has yet to be determined. Um, we know we're going to keep adding resources. There's going to be just a tremendous amount of work put into supporting these various architectures and strategies, um, not just from, say, Dana's perspective, but on the infrastructure side as well, and at the fleet, fleet and OEM level. Um, there's just so much work to be done to reimagine, redesign, re-architect uh, these approaches. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and each one of them may be the winning combination. I mean, you never know who's holding the winning hand right now. Um, one cool thing is if fuel cells end up taking off, uh, Dana has a whole power technologies uh, center, um, uh, an arm of our business, PTG Group, and we do fuel cell plates. We, do, uh, we have the technology to do fuel cell stacks. Um, so it's been neat to see and be tied into that side. And again, fuel cell technology has always been that thing that's kind of five years out, mm -hmm. that way for a long time. But it feels like that five years out is starting to actually catch up. Like maybe we may be starting to, to close that gap. And maybe we'll start talking about fuel cells as three years out mm -hmm. soon. So I'm excited to see where, what comes with that. Um, some additional, you know, what's next? We see a lot of uh, a lot of new technology and autonomy, platooning. You know, if we thought about that 15 years ago, I think that that was probably a pretty scary thing to think about. And now we're thinking about, you know, the idea of fully loaded semi-tractor trailers mm -hmm. running down the highway with no driver in them. And it's kind of like, you know, maybe we don't fully understand what that means, but it doesn't seem that far out now. And a lot of the, you know, if you think about re-architecting a, a tractor to be an autonomous vehicle, okay, you don't need a diesel engine up under the hood. You don't even need a space for a driver to sit. So how can you reimagine that platform and what kind of flexibility does that offer? And does that give you the trade-offs or overcome some of the trade-offs you had to architect around previously to put a driver in there, give them visibility, et cetera, and can you then replace that land space or that space claim with additional batteries? And then what kind of opportunities does that open up? So a lot, a lot of really cool things coming down the pike. Um, it's just a really exciting time to be in the market. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. It's definitely, there's a lot of interesting and unique things going on and it'll be interesting to see how it, keep, it all keeps progressing. 100%. Well, thank you for taking the time to speak with me today and provide your, uh, your insights into the technology and what Dana's working on. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of OEM Industry Update. Thank you again to Jeremy for providing his insights into current electrification trends. And be sure to tune in each week for another episode to stay up to date on our ever-changing industry.